Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Saturday, July 16th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Very specific focus, only a few topics we're going to get into. I was actually not going to do a show because I'm going to be performing live tonight, downtown Nashville. So I'll, I'll give you the link in that in a second if you want to check that out. But important uh, point caught my eye. And I want to go ahead and get this out of the way right in the beginning that the conversation that's always had on the peripheral here. And it's an important conversation about the idea of, you know, how can this be something we talk about if if the, even if we believe, and that's the people speaking, that there is no such thing as COVID-19. That's a fair point to make. Right. The, but as always, the discussion to make clear in this is we're talking about the the new produced information that challenges what they're currently saying. Now, it's a fair point to make that maybe that in and of itself is some sort of a manipulation to, to dive, you know, direct us down a rabbit hole that is the wrong direction. And that's a fair point to make. But nonetheless, this stuff is important to discuss. And, and this goes at work like people that have been looking over the patents in the past and how that relates to what we're dealing with today. These things matter. Whether or not you believe that virus exists, whether you're germ theory, terrain theory. Now, and, and just on a, another side note, by the way, we should be at a point today where these things should not be ridiculed and laughed. Or, you know, if people have a genuine difference of opinion in regard to the science, because they're both scientifically sound in a lot of different ways. There's contradictions. There's things that people think, for instance, looking at like Koch postulates in isolating a virus or you know, whatever we want to talk about. People within that, which is still the gold standard, disagree from different sides of the scientific perspective saying, no, that's outdated. No, this doesn't matter. But it's still the gold standard. Think about that. So in the same concept, people that have an idea that it's rooted in terrain theory, as if as in the sense being that viruses aren't real, that's actually sound, rooted in a lot of scientific research. But we just people, they disagree on certain fundamental things. Both of them should be respected and, in, and engaged with. Now, people even even saying that people that have dug in aggressively that the virus don't exist field will call that, you know, shilling for the other side. This is the frustrating part of this. We can't have an honest dialogue if we're not willing to be open minded to other people's perspectives. This used to be called intelligence. Today, it's called propaganda and fake news, when in reality, it's the other side of that coin that is spreading all the misinformation. But that being said. We're going to get into a very interesting study that was pointed out on, on, and there's a lot of great work being done on Substack and Medium because that's where everyone's being driven because they're not allowed to talk about these things on the normal platforms. But in regard to recent research that's being done, there's a lot of points to make about what this is. I mean, this is gain-of-function research or, you know, EPPPP, whatever they're calling it these days, same point. They are altering these things in dangerous ways to make them more virulent, more infective, more deadly for some uh, the stated purpose of whatever they say to make it for vaccines. None of the arguments I've, that make sense to me. And I've made that clear in the past. I, I'll go into that. I'm sure throughout the show, but the important part is, is that it's happening. So first question is why in the world are they trying to alter Omicron to make it more dangerous right now? When plenty of people point out that the fact that it's not more dangerous, even, whether or not it's more effective, which that seems to be the case by what they're saying. Whoops. I almost did that again, whether or not, the point is simply, you know, why are we allowing them to alter this thing now? And so the point being, some people would argue that this is the right step, that it is becoming less dangerous and that would ultimately be the natural course of how these things should go. And then asking whether or not that is something that we are now seeing in the real world. These are real questions to ask, especially since the whole lab leak theory has been allowed to be discussed. Very suspicious about the reasoning and how that went or why it was fake news right up until it wasn't. But if they're allowing you to have that conversation, then you should be allowed to ask, what about this one? Did this one come from a lab? Now, that doesn't mean I think that necessarily is the case. The conversation is about what's actually happening here and what the evidence shows us. And at the very sur least surface level point, 
how what they're seeing in this science contradicts what they're claiming in their normal narrative. So before we get into all of that and a couple of other interesting points and a couple of things about <laughs> foreign policy blunders, I want to just give this link for people that want to check it out. This will be tonight. I, I should have been shouting this out long before this, just lots going on, but there's still tickets available, I'm sure. And if you want to check this out tonight, downtown at the Cobra, we'll be there playing five times August, Faithless Town, Campbell Harrison and myself. Looking forward to it. I have a new song I'll be playing tonight. You know, Lucky to hear it if you'll be there. Now, I also wanted to point out that we, I just added this new sidebar donation as well as underneath the recent post. I'm not sure if I'm going to do that every time, but that, if you'd like to go on here, you can donate to the Last American Vagabond, set up recurring recurring donations, and you can use all sorts of different things. Unfortunately, there's some people that are still stuck in the paradigm, Stripe and whatever else that's available, but I'm also setting up the cryptocurrency, or if you want, right on there, there's a, a guidance on how to donate directly to our office address. So point is, we need your support, guys. We are people funded, always have been. And so this is important to help us out. If you'd like to, there's the easiest way to do so. As always, though, we have all the rest of it up here. Crypto donations, subscribe star, cash app, buy me a coffee, actually. Oh, it looks like a buy me a coffee is not up there. We'll have to rectify that. In any case, also wanted to make sure you saw the new T-Lab. I, I haven't updated you guys since last time we talked about the, the momentary win from the new pirate channel, which they immediately shut down as much as possible. That new account that we got all that reach on gained like a thousand, two thousand followers in a day, immediately gone, despite the fact that it had no provable connection to me. Just because somebody, because I wrote Ryan Christian or T-Lab doesn't prove that I'm in fact connected to it. There was no, my number wasn't being used. My information wasn't being used. So they're subjectively deleting anybody that even pretends to be me. Let that sink in. But this is one of the accounts I'm using. Oh, and the point was the one we did use, the Pirate Tennessee, or no, that was the, yeah, it was Pirate Tennessee account. We posted a video, a one minute video of masks that went viral. I mean, there was like 6,000 retweets. I mean, it was, it was incredibly fast. And they deleted it, I think, for that. Even though there was no other content that was deletable, I posted it on this new account. But I wanted to show you the ones we're now using. I have three of them that are now active. I don't care that they hear it or they know it. it it's They're going to delete what they're going to delete anyway. But so this is one. This, I usually try to leave the name people have on there to begin with. Whack-a-mole 3000 T-Lab Pirate. And I'm going to try to start putting that at the end so you guys can see that it, I'm at least somewhat using it. Right now, I've got three that I'm going to be kind of interchangeably using, just so you guys know. This is one of them. The point being, guys, follow everything out there you can that has T-Lab Pirate Stream or anything related to it. In the, I'm trying to make it clear for you guys so you can see T-Lab Pirate. Follow it. Because at one point, I may, ha I may have to use it. Here's one of the other ones. This is one of the other primaries, Pirate Vagabond. That's where I've reposted that mask video if you'd like to see it. So it's still there. As well as After Hours Podcast from Be Rich, he let me use this as well. So I really appreciate that. So all being posted. And on that quick note for, for Twitter, I wanted to make sure you guys saw this. YouTube had something similar as well. Select to down, it says reply to downvotes, select to downvote. And it says, see a reply that is contribute, not, that isn't contributing, contributing to the conversation. Let us know. <laughs> well, what are you going to do about it? Like these And what is it? It's, it's subjective, isn't it? I don't think they're contributing because they're saying things that I don't agree with. Downvote or let them know. And they're going to do something about it. Downvotes are private. I just find it interesting. This is all social engineering. It's about keeping track of people's actions and what they're saying. See something, say something kind of world. Thought that was interesting. Here's that video I'll include. Get out there and share this, guys, because this went incredibly far. And people, it just it's one minute and it breaks down. And of course, the source links are all included, all mostly peer-reviewed science, all telling you the opposite of what they say is the reality. And that's while they're now forcing it on children again. Here is uh, Dr. Jorge Cabrero stands with Ukraine. <laughs> That's actual name in his account. 
Los Angeles County is reporting 17.5% COVID test positivity, which means literally nothing with the false positive rate of your test. Time to mask up, he says. These are the experts. Bob, thank God, points this down there. They, you know, this is called ignoring the science. These are peer-reviewed scientific studies that say the opposite or say that it's dangerous or say that they're specifically dangerous for children. They don't care. On another note on that same thing about reach, I found this to be very interesting. This is a video on Rumble that we posted, a very important one, by the way, that points out the Alberta data that reveals that the vast majority, over 80% of the deaths, cases, and hospitalizations all happen within the first 21 days of people getting the injection, which they then dump down into unvaccinated. They say that on every place you can look. How is that even possible? That is the illusion in one spot right there. The vaccines causing damage, they then blame on the unvaccinated. Even that's not holding right now. But look at the views on this. 426,755 views. That's very nice. That's great to see. What's interesting, though, is that I didn't see this anywhere, and there's only one comment, so it seems that somebody's probably got it embedded on some great website, you know, some reaching website, I should say. So it's getting reached, but people aren't engaging with this page. But what's interesting to me is that it still has this many views. Guess how much money I made on Rumble during that month? $3. Something strange there, I'm just going to point out. I'm all set up and monetized. This video's monetized. Odd that I made like three cents from it, though. Something strange there. As you know, my feelings of Rumble and the rest of them, some of these platforms are not designed to be for you. Just my thoughts, just regardless of how many views we seem to get on this platform, something strange there. But to quick foreign policy points before we get into the main point of the show, which is the bulk of the discussion today, you might have seen this point. Joe Biden fist bumps with the murderer, Mohammed bin Salman, right? The very person that is openly authoritarian, the very thing they pretend they fight everywhere else except here. We fight for democracy, except over there where they love tyranny and we work with them because weapons and stuff. That, I mean, it's just it's absurd that we laugh this off. We pretend like this doesn't completely contradict literally everything they say they think everywhere else in the world. It's that stupid, but here it is. But the point is Joe Biden laughs off his fist bump because even his side of this are attacking him for this, rightly so. The murder of Khashoggi, of course, that's where it always comes back to. You know, the Washington Post journalist. But not it's one person. What about Yemen? What about everything else that's constantly happening? All the war crimes and all the active ac acts of murder and, and suppression and starvation. No, none of that matters, even as Trump said, right? Ah, you know, weapons, we sell them weapons, so we're just going to let it go. Basically what he said. Now, I'm only saying basically because it's paraphrasing, but that's exactly what the sentiment was. He said that, that we're going to keep the weapon sales because that's more important. So why are we pointing out that? Why aren't all the Republicans who are now attacking Biden, which rightly so, because he's there too, only point out one side of it because the two-party paradigm melts your logic. But both of them are, are the, the government is the point, is the problem. This is frustrating. Fist bump with this open murderer. Now, of course, it all gets into all the, there's so many nonsensical things being brought up here, but I just want us to be clear about how crazy this is, right? Don't forget this. This is the person Biden was meeting with. Oh, this article is genuinely important for you to read. This is a direct quote from Mohammed bin Salman that they all hear, they all know about. They don't care. Of course, yeah, of course, why would my website load fast? Mohammed bin Salman, once he managed to, quote, shiver for generations when they hear Saudi Arabia, he vows openly, publicly to continue targeting children. That's as at the time, Trump and, and, and uh, Pompeo we're ignoring that, acting like they aren't targeting children. He goes, we're going to keep targeting children. And they just ignore it. <laughs> like literally said that out loud in a public setting. And they just don't care. This is who he's fist bumping. That's who Trump was, was whatever, shaking hands with or, be, or dealing with. These are the people that they support. Now just think for a moment what that means. 
when they pretend to care about human rights elsewhere. This also comes into play when we're going to talk about next, the fact that they're saying, oh, we don't support fighting the Taliban anymore. You know, the very reason we destroyed that country for 20 plus years. Now we're going to work with them. Who didn't see that coming? I told you that was going to happen. I told you last time when they briefly flirted with that. We'll come back to that in one quick second. Read this article, though. It's important. But as Sarah Abdallah points out, don't forget about Yemen, right? Nobody seems to care. In all the partisan back and forth, we don't care about the real focus. And that's what usually the partisanship is meant to do. Hide the real picture. You know, the Yemeni people, the one of the worst humanitarian crises in the world where they're actively starving them, actively illegally blockading the Hodeida port. All these different things we know, as a matter of fact, they're not even debating them anymore. Just don't talk about them. But we love to point out other things anywhere else they can with their adversaries. After Biden's rehab MBS image, Saudis announced an increase in oil production. Of course, tit for tat, right? It's not like it's very obviously that we're dealing, they're dealing with the worst of the worst just for their own purposes, right? Of course not. And just to make sure we understand who we're dealing with here, this is Biden in Israel, confused apparently whether he was going to shake the person's hand that wasn't there or maybe sit down at one of the chairs and he had to be literally guided to sit down. This guy is barely able to see straight. I mean, this is incredible, guys. I mean, this is not, it's not even about making fun of anybody. Because you know, this is nonpartisan, left and right, all ridiculous. The point is, this person is supposed to be leading this country. Now, I mean, I would make similar points in regard to Trump and different reasons, but this guy is actually senile, and we all know that. I mean, that's incredible. But let's let him go and, and shake hands with murderers. But of course, while he was there, as it happens every single time, when Trump is there, when Pompeo went, when anybody goes and is present in Israel, they use that to basically give... Well, not that they even need it, but give some kind of a shade to their open war crimes in Gaza. So hours after Biden's visit in Israel, they attack Gaza and they claim in response to rocket fire. And I always say that because these are never proven. There's never video where everybody's got smartphones everywhere, especially in Israel. Where is one video of one of those rockets? I will give you $100 if you can prove that to me today. If somebody can send me a video of one of those rockets they save landed, I will give you $100. I swear to God, I never find one of those videos. That's not to say that it's not there. They do have rockets and rockets do exist. But every time this happens, it seems very self-serving because guess what? They stopped one and the other ones landed in open field every single time. That can't be the same story every time. Hours after President Joe Biden ended a three-day visit to the region, well, really, it was while he was present and the concept was present in people's minds, Israel's military said Saturday they had attacked what it said was a Hamas rocket site after rockets flew from Gaza, which again, always points out, or I always point out, did we know it was Hamas? Does it even matter? No. Only place on the planet where they can say, if anything ever happens, we're going to just bomb that person over there. Right? That's like coming out in your street and saying, if anything happens to my yard, I'm going to punch my neighbor, no matter what, because he liked, he hates my lawn. Now, whether or not he did it, I'm just warning everybody, I'm going to punch him right in the face. So the other neighbor goes, screw it, then go step on his yard. What about CIA? What about Mossad itself using this as a justification to carry out attacks they already wanted to take out? Or what about anything else? What about Islamic Jihad, which is also present there? What if they fired the rocket? Who cares? Bomb Hamas. There is a legal problem here as they pretend to be a democracy, right? I mean, we can't just pretend none of that matters when they keep pretending that they have the same situation anywhere else. And it's only the Palestinians that are the problem. That's just crazy. Now, all of that aside, guess who has the legal right to armed rebellion? The Palestinians, as the Geneva Conventions make clear, as the UN has always maintained, as any legal situation internationally has always maintained. 
if you are in occupied territory, as is the case, as even the UN continues to maintain, they have a legal right to armed rebellion, which means they can fire that rocket, whether or not they are attacked first. And that's legal. Nobody can challenge that because it's the fact. They just don't like to make these arguments because it shows they call me racist, let's say. But bottom line here, guys, is this happens all the time. It's illegal. It's unjust. It's a war crime. But the funny part about it is, macabrely, in response to the attacks from the Gaza Strip, the IDF is continuing to target Hamas weapons because they make this statement roundly. They say, we'll always bomb them if anything happens anywhere. One of the rockets was intercepted while the others landed in an open area. You, I, that could be the same story. I mean, it is every single time. Intercepted, landed open areas. Nobody was harmed. Skin, knees, and some danger. NBC News has not been able to independently verify the claims. Weird. Why not? Don't they have video cameras? Aren't there things that are constantly filming everything? Yeah, but nobody seems to be able to prove it, though. Two rocket attacks several hours apart set off air sirens in parts of southern Israel but caused no injuries or damage, according to Associated Press, every single time. I mean, come on, guys. This is ridiculous. The one time that we knew, not the one time, but the time we knew for sure recently we could prove they fired, which Robert reported on, where they bought, they sent in like 40, 50, or 100 rockets, however many it was. Could you see the difference? There was film everywhere. There was actual damage. This is something off, in my opinion. But as that continues, as they continue to openly commit war crimes, the U.S. now stands up after basically just hobnobbing, actually, not basically, hobnobbing with an open, murdering, tyrannical dictator as pretending to fight those things around the world, they openly come out and say, no longer are we going to fight the Taliban. The U.S., quote, does not support organized violent opposition to the Taliban. Having lost the Afghanistan war outright, writes Jason Ditz from, from Anti-War, which, by the way, you should support because they're seeking support right now in general. The U.S. State Department is now saying that their goal is to see the Taliban give rise to stable and sustainable Afghanistan. And that as such, they do not support organized violence against them. So that means an open and admitted failure, even though they won't say that for 20 plus years, that is, of course, assuming that they ever intended to stop them and they weren't continuing to work with them like they did from the very beginning, which is where they come from, used against the Soviet Union as the Mujahideen. They armed and funded a fascist entity to be used against Soviet Union. It's openly documented, by the way, exactly what they're doing in Ukraine right now. Very clear. Same exact premise, same exact thing, except they're using a different entity. Also fascist. So that happened. They then just left it. I mean, like as much as the movie is a joke for a lot of reasons, there is a, one, a couple of real points in Charlie Wilson's war that they all just walked away. <laughs> Let's arm these terrible things and then just leave them to their own devices. Gee, I wonder what's going to happen. They're going to use what you gave them to take over the people that are rightfully, you know, supported by their people in the country, which is what happened. And then it continued to be the thing they point out later and say, look at how bad it is. We need to step in. Again, later. Then 20 plus years go by and now they're standing back and going the very thing we pointed at and fear-mongered about and said we're the worst people alive and we have to do something about, we're now going to stop you from attacking. Have they changed? No. They've in fact gotten more powerful. Same group, same ideology. So that means that they never really cared about the fighting terrorism, right? We all have to admit that. It was more about a means to an end. If they're the same group with the same ideology, you don't just suddenly decide they're now okay unless you're the U.S. government. Goes on to say, it's not, just, it's, it's not just not supporting violence against the Taliban, but, quote, discourage other powers from doing so as well. The Taliban isn't facing huge opposition, but the most likely would be the groups that were U.S.-backed to their outright defeat. This is an awkward position, he writes, with the U.S. spending decades positioning the Taliban is as irredeemable villains and now warning anyone against resisting their rule, which was secured purely through rooting the failed U.S.-backed government routing. The point here, guys, 
Is it this? I mean, the point they make there is the very group that stopped their U.S.-backed entity, the government they put together. Right, so they put all your money and all your tax dollars and funding into helping this government. The Taliban, they claim they're fighting, stop that from happening. And they just pivot to them and say, well, now we're going to support them. There's no sacred part here. There's not like we need to fight these guys because they're so bad. They are using what's in front of them. It's the same thing they do everywhere. The same thing they're doing in Ukraine. They don't care about what they claim they're fighting for. They don't care about the Afghanis. They don't care about the Ukrainian people. How can we not see that by now? It is not unusual for the U.S. to back the continued rule of a group that's objectively bad, sort of like the moderate rebels, right? Or Guaido and the people he worked with in Venezuela or any other location you want to point at. It's easily documentable. Look at Libya, guys. The very people they funded started open slave markets the moment that they took control. They are bad people. They're funded. By the way, they're the people they shuttled over into Syria, which they then shuttled over into Ukraine. It's all documented. Before the 2001 U.S. invasion of the Taliban, the U.S was cheerfully backing them, subsidizing them and praising them for being reliable anti-drug partners. The U.S. may be looking to roll things back to the comfortable old days of protecting the Islamist Taliban. The point they're making there is before the invasion, remember, the Taliban was the group historically they used against the Soviet Union. So they were moderately on good terms. And of course, they were the ones that destroyed the opium trade. Then the moment the U.S. government stepped back into 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 uh, Afghanistan, don't forget, 90% 90% the opium trade increased. 90%. Let's see. Uh, that's weird. Usually that pops up. Of course not. I'm going to give you guys this article. It's important to understand how this actually went down. Come on. Man, I tell you guys, our website is dramatically under it. There's something going on. Operation Enduring Freedom. Let that load for a second, but and that was the end of it in general. But so they, you know, as the U.S. government took occupied Afghanistan, they began the trade again, and that perfectly correlates with the increase of the opioid crisis in this country. That's a fact. Here it is. You guys can read this for yourselves. Operation Enduring Freedom: The United States Opium Trade. Now, on that note, don't forget, of course, this account's now been censored, but it's on the way back machine. Verifiable facts in regard to Ukraine. The parallel here. U.S. Congress made sure the Azov Battalion would get arms in 2016, despite lying to the world about that. They, they, now, in 2018, they stopped it again, but then have continued to arm them as we see today. Right now, in documentation and their legal documents, they say it's illegal to give arms or even abstractly to them, the Azov Battalion. Yet they're doing that today. How do you explain that? They're breaking their own rules. They don't care about rules or laws. The CIA has trained these people since 2015. The FBI verified their neo-Nazi and immersed with the Ukraine's government. And of course, directly tied as into Charlottesville and the Rise Above movement and every other group they point at as dangerous entities for the most part have direct connections with those groups which tie back to the CIA. How, this is exactly what you're seeing in Afghanistan. And they went from hating them or working with them to being the worst people alive to now working with them again. Shocking. Shouldn't be. This is what they do everywhere. Here's just the documents proving that in Ukraine, it goes back to all the way to 1948. And that this is something they're using against you. Now, one last point I want to get into before we go over to the COVID-19 and the Omicron discussion was just this very strange way that they seem to love to hype stories that have no basis in reality, even when the experts tell them there's no basis in reality because it fits a certain propaganda bill. Woman hospitalized after touching a dollar bill believed to contain fentanyl. The bottom line of this story 
is this woman says that she went to some fast food restaurant, had grabbed the dollar bill and change and started feeling really crazy. And they, they turns out she had fentanyl. Now, what's the point of the story is that she's the one saying, no, it had to be that because I don't do this. Or I, she says, I think it really is unlikely to say, oh, no, this is the doctor. This is what the doctor has to say. I think it's really unlikely the substance this lady got into her system is fentanyl based on the symptoms she had. Or she's saying it's fentanyl. She said skin-to-skin contact is not a way people are exposed to drugs at levels that would cause harm. It is more than more likely to her to have a reaction if she had inadvertently rubbed her nose or exposed some kind of drug in the vessels, which she said didn't happen. Donald said it's possible for the drug to get out aerosolized, aerosolized and inhaled. That would take more volume of the drug or, or, or volume of drug or quantity of drug. It is certainly not impossible for that to happen, but one would think it would be significant amount that you would see on the dollar bill in the air system. He says, what I do know is how I felt, or she says, what happened? It can't be made up, she says. Well, yeah, I can. In fact, you can completely make all of that up because you took something and didn't want to tell people or whatever. My point here is that this story is put out as woman hospitalized after this contain bill can believe to contain it. Except the very expert they talked to goes, yeah, that's not possible. It would have been more. That's not likely based on the kind of thing we're talking about. But here's the headline. Why well, because fentanyl, China, and or the idea of just being concerned about any real world transactions. Let's go digital, of course. Instead, the experts are saying that's not what happened. <laughs> so think about that in the context of all the things we're getting into in COVID. And that there's a lot of experts going, this doesn't make sense. And they just keep tying it into the main narrative. This is happening everywhere, guys. Your media is not on your side. The corporate media, I should say. Which we're going to finish today on this point about how this is being exposed. And it is coming out. People from the CDC, the NIH, they are coming out and going, guys, we know this is wrong. And to their own detriment, they're admitting they're essentially not doing the right thing because they don't want to lose their jobs. But they're telling us they know and the world knows. We need to see that you're not alone, guys. Now, on that point, this is a really important, this is from the Slug Daddy World uh, uh, substack. As always, guys, it's not really about the, the entity which I'm not familiar with this platform. I don't know what else he's written about or what else is going on, but this is good work and you read it for yourself and you'll see for yourself because I have the scientific studies. As he, the title says, has gain-of-function research improved your life? The answer is no. That, that's a clear point right out of the gate he makes here. Has that improved your life at all? The, the idea of making things more dangerous for some stated purpose of helping you down the future for some unforeseen risk or the just one in a bazillion risk chance that someone is going to make the same dangerous choices in another lab somewhere else in the world and you'll just so happen to have a vaccine for it. Incredibly slim possibility there, right? I mean, impossible, really. Has it improved your life at all? Did any of our their, their SARS-1 research in the same way actually save a life when SARS-2 showed up? if that's even what's happening. I, he says, I've searched the web pretty thoroughly and haven't turned up one example of anything beneficial to come from this research. As a good, I mean, it's a real, genuine question, guys. If you actually do know, speak up. Because I mean, really think about it for a second. They're making things that have, don't exist and making vaccines for it, they claim. Where has that come to pass? They've been doing this stuff on all sorts of dangerous things and all we keep seeing is the danger increase. But he points out this article where they're discussing adding a certain mutation to the Omicron variant. Now, that should be alarming in and of itself. It is. But here's the point that I found really sound. He says, to summarize the discussion here, the authors are trying to determine what makes Omicron less deadly than Delta. And the L452R mutation is, quote, the only RBD domain mutation that emerges in the Delta variant but is absent in the Omicron variant. 
Now, now, what's interesting there is the argument that this is some sort of a natural vaccine. You know, that's what even even people like Gates said openly. It makes you wonder what happened right here. And again, goes back to the idea of where it came from, not starting in South Africa, like they all like to say, but in fact was first discovered in Botswana, which then went over into South Africa. And as I always point out, as they say, it was detected on four foreign nationals who entered Botswana on the 7th on a diplomatic mission, meaning they had diplomatic immunity. They could have car- they could have intentionally carried something over and let it go and nobody would have been the wiser. I'm not saying that's what happened, but why do we not know who those four people were? Why do we not know what diplomatic mission they were working on and for whom, right? Nobody cares about that, which is blowing, continues to blow my mind. So the question though becomes whether or not this was an intentional release of something that changed the field and whether or not that was meant to be good or bad. People, you could argue that somebody on the other side of this argument is out there trying to, maybe these people that realize that we're being lied to, tried to do this in order to change something. It's just hypothetical. I don't think that's what happened. I'm just throwing out possibilities. The point here is that this is interesting and it shows you that when this happened, it just, this was the first step in a direction that was suddenly far less dangerous, which kind of ruined their entire narrative. It says past research indicated fusogenicity is correlated with pathogenicity. Now, basically, fusogenicity is the is the ability to in, the, the infected cells to fuse with adjacent cells. So the, the spread, it would argue. And then it talks about the uh, the um, pathogenicity, and that's that's the spreading to other people. What it says is, quote, their data suggests that the decreased fusogenicity of the Omicron variant is due specifically to a lack of the L452R mutation present in the Delta variant. So that's important to hear. So they're finding in this peer-reviewed study that that not being there was the reason this was less transmissible, less dangerous. But it says maybe though, just for fun, could we try sticking the bad bits from Delta in Omicron and see what happens? Well, yeah, that's exactly what they did. And here's the study we'll point out in a second. They say, hey, let's just take that thing and add it to Omicron and and see what happens. Gee, I wonder what will happen. It will become more dangerous. It's quite obvious. So why even allow people to do this kind of research? Now it says, here we develop the L452R. Read right here. Oh, for, so I'll read this first. It says the, L, the L452R mutation, one of the most frequent mutations, is the only RBD domain mutation that emerged in Delta variant but is absent in the Omicron variant. So just to be clear, they're stating very clearly it's not in Omicron. It has been reported that the L452R mutation increases SARS-CoV-2 fusogenicity and infectivity. Here, we developed the L452R mutated Omicron variant, Omicron L452R, and found that the Omicron L452R variant rescued fusogenicity and strengthened the high infectivity by enhancing the cleavage of the spike protein. Okay, for what to what? To what end? Why in the world do we think this is acceptable? I mean, it's a foregone. I mean, look, I'm not even going to say we should assume that would make it more dangerous, but what's the positive outcome here? That now you're going to make that in hopes that if it does happen, that you have something ready and assuming that it does happen naturally in the exact same way. Why would we assume that? I mean, this just seems wildly unscientific and dangerous. Both of true, in my opinion, but it says notably Omicron L452R greatly enhanced the ability of Omicron to infect lung tissues of humanized ACE2 mice. Exactly what we don't want. Furthermore, the Omicron L452R variant dramatically enhanced glycosis in host cells. Our data suggests the decreased fusogenicity of the Omicron variant is due to specifically the lack of that mutation present in the Delta variant. Pretty clear. So as they point out, gee, what could go wrong with their homebrew 
Deltacron. Well, that seemed very interesting to me before we even get into the next part of this, because that's what we keep talking about. Remember on January 10th, they were going, scientists discovered Deltacron. It's interesting timing. Now, this study comes out in March 2022, but realize that this research had been going on long before that. This is when it was published. So the question really does arise. It's a very, as he even points out in the article, it's a very tight time frame. Not impossible, but very tight. Now, the point also is made is not necessarily the only point about whether this is that, but simply just making the art the point. Why is this even allowed? Whether Let's just say, for sake of argument, that that's not the same thing. It still doesn't mean it didn't come from a lab because people are doing this kind of stuff all around the world. The U.S. government specifically leading that charge in China and the United States and everywhere else around the world doing dangerous research. So the to assume that this was the first time this was attempted is a dangerous thing to assume. So then we start seeing the, the connection here and we should be asking whether or not this was that. So here's the next part. Here's a new study, epidemiological update. SARS-CoV-2 Omicron sublineages, specifically BA4 and BA5, right? The ones we know are specifically attacking most prominently the boosted. This is interesting coincidence, he points out. I thought you guys said the L45R2 was the only Delta mutation that didn't appear in Omicron. He's saying that because here's the first line of the study. BA5 and BA4 were first detected in South Africa. Now, I can't, or I don't know whether that, that seems the case, of course, because the first one was Botswana and then went to South Africa. So, but again, in January, February, 2022, respectively. And since they then, since th then they have become the dominant variants there, both lineages contain L45R2. So think about that. So they're selling you in this study, peer-reviewed, that the one difference in Omicron to Delta was that it did not have that mutation. And then we're supposed to assume that in the same time frame, they're adding this in a lab to see what happens, that the new two things they're going, oh, these ones are more dangerous. Both just so happen to mutate in the same direction in the one way that makes them more dangerous and more infective. I mean, anything's possible, I guess. But why don't we ask this question? Now, that's the point, guys. People are. There's a lot more people today than the beginning of this that are going, whoa, 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 that's not right. I'm just trying to help people see it. This is very, very alarming to me and very obvious. It says at the end, in this investigation, we found the further mutation of the L45R2 in the Omicron variant that, that they did not only rescued, again, the positive terms is weird to me, rescued fusogenicity meaning it, it allowed it to continue to spread inside your body, but also strengthened the high infectivity. Importantly, the Omicron L452R variant enhanced the ability of Omicron to infect lung tissues of humanized mice. The Omicron L45R2 variant obtains enough energy and nucleotide material to replicate in human cells. They literally did this to a point to where they, they prove that it does in fact affect you specifically, not just mice, but you. Taken together, the L45R2 mutation dramatically increases the risk of the Omicron variant. Look at that. Oh, and then where's the part where they go, and here's the benefit to you? <laughs> nope, none of that. Their entire purpose was just, to, let's make it extra dangerous. And now fund our research, guys, right? Because that's what we all want. Scientists in their mad labs making things more dangerous for you for no one's, no spoken real, no tangible reason. It's incredible. But he goes, some of you, might be thinking that's quite a big leap to say that BA4 and BA5 came from this experimentation. If that's where your head's at, you missed his point. Now I'm, I'm pointing out that's a possibility. He does as well, but there's more to this. It doesn't matter if it did. It matters if it could have. To the broad point, of course it matters if it did. 
But the broader point is this is still happening. After everything we've talked about, or even the fact that even if it's a, 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 a limited hangout, not that it's just the, the lab leak, whole point, which I'm concerned about is a, whole, is a complete fake story. It still leads to the point where we understand that they're still doing that research around the world. Not you can you can discuss whether or not they're viruses they're dealing with or not, but they're still toying with things that are dangerous. That's still happening. So if it's possible, that means that we should be asking these questions now, especially with the explosion of these changes, which perfectly correlate with the injection being given, but doesn't really line up with anything we've seen in the history. It says, it goes on to say that this particular research seems to have completed in January 2022 and BA4 was first identified that month. So the timing is tight, but think about that, guys, that they completed this research on changing this in January that published in March, but that very month is when this happened. That's sure tight, but it's also pretty correlating. It says it, it could have come from a, sing, a similar lab doing similar things that did not publish their work. Certainly true. We are told this is the second most contagious virus in the world. I don't know why we would buy anything they sell us, but it's completely plausible this research created BA4 and BA5, Delta Cron. It infected a lab worker, spread, and went to spread, become, it became the dominant. It's certainly possible, just like with Fort Detrick and plenty of others, that this was accidental. But the idea that they float the very idea of Delta Cron Remember that, guys? Delta Cron was talked about. Delta Cron, and what was the other version of it? Uh, Ama, or Ama, what was it? I don't know. They kept conflating all the terms. Oh, it was Flurona, whatever else. And then suddenly, they just decide to make a, re they conduct research of specifically taking the dangerous part of Delta and putting it into Omicron. And then that comes out and happens? I mean, there's just only so many coincidences that you can ignore. To me, this is ridiculous. Back then, he says, I missed the point too. It's not the Wuhan lab. It's not any lab. It's American-funded labs. Or just any labs, for that matter, working on gain of function, to be very clear. But at the, his point is that it's not just that one lab. It's just about the idea this is being allowed. This so-called research that's never had one tangible benefit to a single American tax slave is still going on. And we're still paying for it, guys, because we didn't take action. I agree with that. It's pretty incredible. Now, this point coming from Rand Paul, which alarms me, is the thing that concerns me about the two-party paradigm. New COVID-19 variant sensationalized by Fauci. White House, Senator Paul says, but his argument is very concerning. Yeah, they're being sensationalized, but he couches this whole thing around the argument that, well, why aren't they even acting like they're making new ones? Are you, excuse me? They're literally screaming at the rooftops about their new injections coming out in a few months. Just because the average population doesn't hear that, I know Senator Paul knows about that. Yet he seems to be suggesting that's not happening, or at the very least arguing that they haven't let it out yet. And if they do, he'd be willing to consider it. I'll play the video. It says, after White House advisor Fauci and, and HHS Secretary Xavier Bercera issued warnings <clears throat> about a new COVID subvariant, Senator Rand Paul said they are not providing key facts about the latest strain. That's a little concerning. Why are they holding this stuff close to the chest? Why don't they want us to see what's going on in these things? Then Rand Paul steps in and says, how come the flu vaccine changes every year and they're not willing to change this one? He said that on Tuesday. Do you know how long they've been hyping the idea that they're already working on Omicron-focused injections? Are, you, are we going to pretend he doesn't know that? He goes, now you, you, you might have me with an argument. I'll listen to you if you tell me, quote, we've got a new vaccine that actually has something to do with the current virus. Really? So now it's okay? We're ignoring all the VAERS data, even though they're not doing new safety testing on these new things? 
he lost all credibility for me right there. That's crazy ridiculous. Listen to what he says. My next guest is no stranger to Dr. Fauci and all the so-called experts. Senator Rand Paul joins us now. So, Senator, what is going on with this new COVID-19 Omicron subvariant BA.5? Well, the one thing you didn't hear is, is it deadly? Is anybody going to the hospital? Do people actually know if they're ill? That's a good point. That's always what we're seeing. Why aren't they talking about it's all just cases and transmission? Well, those things matter, but only insofar as they lead to death. That's always the end game here, guys. Hospitalization can be considered. They're always going to now, especially post-COVID, talk about the long-term effects that we can't really quantify or prove. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't lead to death, it's not really that concerning, at the, broadly speaking. So that's why they don't talk because these things are not, that's not what's happening. But what is happening is people taking the injections are dramatically having those problems. They're calling anything else they can point at. That's not my opinion, guys. We're getting this uh, variant. There are statistics and we should be honest with people. Omicron itself was about 90% less likely to put you in the hospital than the first variant, you know, from the wild type the year before. So if no one's telling you any information, how can you make any judgment other than the emotionalism and the sensationalism of the government? Yeah, right. I agree. I agree with that. And where were you saying that back in 2020 and 2021? Because it's the same thing that's been happening this whole damn time. I just, it just seems that now that this is at a different stage, we're allowing them to point back at the previous stage and go, whoa, look at what they should have been doing. Well, yeah, we were all saying that back then. Where were you then? Right right now, he seems to be couching that as a way to justify at least potentially agreeing with making new things. I don't want anything from these people, and neither should you. So instead of giving us facts, they give us sensationalism. One thing we do know, though, for those who are saying, oh, you need to take 25 boosters, we do know that the vaccine for Omicron was five times less likely to be effective than it was with the first initial virus. So, And of course, even right there, by the way, what do you mean by effective? Effective at what? Their data has already proven their data that they are forced to release that the corporate media and apparently you, Rand Paul, continue to ignore or subjectively look at, he holds up some of those things, show you that they know it's not effective. Speaking relative risk reduction, that these things, in fact, increase your risk in the majority of the time frame. You have a very small window where they have some little production of antibodies. Now, are those even the right antibodies? I mean, he made that point at a different stage. I just, it's, he, I don't see consistency with him anymore. I just, I'm frustrated because I'm, I never buy that these people are on our side, but you know, you hope, you hope some of these people are going to take these good stances, but this seems it seems I'm disconcerted by his stance right now. One question you might ask these people that are telling you you have to get vaccinated and vaccinated and vaccinated. How come the flu vaccine changes every year and they're not willing to change this vaccine? You mean the flu vaccine that changes every year but barely gets over 20% efficacy the vast majority of the time? And even that is their stated number, so who knows if that's even accurate? But yeah, let's do that one. Let's do it that way. That's exactly what they have wanted since the beginning. I made that clear. The, the universal vaccine or the rather the chain, well, the universal is the step after that, but the changing and the, the continually making of them like the flu vaccine is what they pushed models about early on. So it's not like this is a secret. So this feels set up. Just, just my opinion. 
Now, you might have me with an argument. I'll listen to you if you tell me we've got a new vaccine that actually has something to do with the current virus. But they're telling me they want me to take five, ten vaccines for a disease that we're now five or six or seven iterations away from the original virus. So these people should be discounted. They should be fired from office and largely ignored because they're just not honest people and they're not following the science. Yeah, and science himself, Dr. Fauci, was boosted about five times, got COVID twice in two weeks and missed his daughter's wedding. So, yeah, I got to be honest to you guys. I mean, this, this is typical Fox News, right? Boosted five times. That's not true. He's gotten two boosters. Like we can all admit how ridiculous he is and how obviously he's taken four shots and two Paxlovids. But to say five boosters is categorically false. But they love to be hyperbolic because that's what they do. Right. I found, I mean, even Ryan Paul, he, it's obvious he's joking, but saying 25 boosters and 10 shots, you know, that's not how you win people over guys. And I feels intentional. The bottom line though, is that he's actually suggesting, well, if they just, the same people he's admitting are lying to you, let's just make us one that has something to do with it. Just tell me that. And maybe we'll have a conversation. So you, it's okay. They lie to you now, but you're willing to hear them out tomorrow. You see my point? Nothing about this feels correct. And the bottom line is this is, I mean, the very, the only life raft I could throw him, giving him the benefit of the doubt, which I don't believe, but giving him the benefit of the doubt, maybe Rand Paul is just that far behind and is tapping into the information we were talking about six months ago. And just because they aren't tapped into these things, it's certainly possible. But at the end of the day, if he's now talking about new, not making it for the right injection, that's been happening since the second, the very first variant conversation year plus ago. Here we are. Do you know they're already coming out with the BA45 focused ones while they then already hype the new 2A75 one or whatever it's called, right? So it's just everything about this is off and nothing about this is scientific. And we even have people that seem to be on your side who are sliding, stepping into the other argument. It's concerning. Now, on that same exact point, this has gone so far past the idea of science or even, I mean, it's, it's scientism. That's what this has become. And they even state this in their discussions, I mean, this is incredible. As Jordan Satchtel, who's been doing a great job on this, points out on his Substack, the Church of Pfizer, Washington D.C. promotes faith in vaccine initiative. That's exact. That's the term they use, faith in vaccine. Now, of course, this is supposed to be perceived as only aimed at the people in churches and in, in faith positions. But the simple idea that you're talking about faith in vaccines is alarming. But it says, sure, there's zero scientific evidence that mRNA vaccines are working. I agree with that. In fact, there's more than enough evidence to suggest that the, the harm drastically outweighs any benefit that they think they're proving. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't, that you should abandon your faith in Big Pharma's money-making machine, according to the public health bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. D.C.'s health department is advertising a faith in vaccine program. Here's the tweet right here. Faith in vaccine pop-up clinics are available for the first and second dose in boosters. Still, right now, all shots that are giving you, they claim, some kind of response that's tailored towards to something that's not even there anymore. And then you add all the negative side effects that come along with the thing, whether or not they claim it's working as they claim. Why we think this is okay is just overwhelming to me. And when this gets into the next point, we'll talk about in a minute, about the children aspect, where there are people admitting in the, F, in the CDC, in the NIH, that they know this isn't safe for children. They just don't want to speak up because they're going to lose their jobs. Before we get to that, the Faith in Vaccine program, partnering with places of worship in the city to convince residents to get COVID tested, injected with their next round of mRNA. Now, the point 
by the way, mod RNA, if we're being honest about this, because that's what it is, it's listing their documents, modified, not natural. The point is, this is tailored towards people in, in religious positions because most of them have been resistant to this. On top of that, it's specifically tailored towards uh, of certain communities of color around these faiths. And I argue the reason they're doing this is trying to manipulate the people they think they, because statistically, the numbers of people of the black community are dramatically lower than most. And they have every reason to feel that way because they've been historically tested on by the government more times than anybody. But the interesting part about this is this is a clumsy, ham-fisted way to try to dump this in their faces. That's what this is. Like that's going to change their minds. But that they're, they're, they're pop-up clinics. So these are the most dangerous versions of this. These little small things, they just pop up at a, at a corner store or on your, on your street or in your church or at a Waffle House, right? We've seen all of these. Do they have all the things they need there? The things they legally are required to have? No, I've proven this a hundred times over. They, they are legally required to have everything they might need for any possible side effect that they've had reports of, or even, they can just make it not even reports, things that they've proven are side effects. They need all sorts of machinery for these things for possible Bell's palsy or possible heart attacks, strokes, blood clots, or whatever else they're talking about. They don't have this stuff. All they have at the Waffle House is sit there for 15 minutes and rub your chest if you pass out. As we've seen, by the way, I haven't shown this in a while, but in a in one of these pop-up clinics that we've talked about, where these people were in there waiting next to somebody else who just got the shot, and the nurses come out, and basically this kid passes out in his car. And all they do is rub his chest and roll the seat back because they don't want anybody else to see it. Which, by the way, is the most dangerous thing to do with somebody who's unconscious. Yeah, lay them on their back, right? So if they vomit, they'll they'll, they'll yeah, yeah. suffocate. That's why I'm not taking that shit. Oh my god, man. That's crazy. Passes out again. Oh, rub his chest. That'll be, that'll work. Look at that. I mean, that guy is completely out. That is not something safe. If that's happening, which it is, it's this is not safe, guys. And you know that. People, I mean, as Dr. McCall has pointed out, people that literally are taking the shot and die right where they're standing. That's happened numerous times. Wow, wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Crazy. My point is, guys, they don't have what they need right there. They don't have the things they would need if that guy just suddenly went into cardiac arrest, do they? On the on in the middle of a parking lot, right? I mean, this is insulting to your intelligence. But so they're pushing this to have pop ups at these churches and in these different communities, which is dangerous for I mean for anything, especially this. But as it says, through the Faith in the Vaccine Initiative, DC Health is working with the Leadership Council for Healthy Communities and the Black Coalition Against COVID to further engage the faith based community with the goal of spreading the word about the safety and effectiveness of the COVID-19 vaccine, the complete opposite of what the reality is, and supporting residents in getting vaccinated. You mean all these people have never heard about the good word of the vaccine? <laughs> no, they've heard it a thousand times. They see it on the TV commercials. They see it on the side of the bus. They see it in the things you force on their phones. They know it's there and they don't want it. So for you to push this in their faith communities is over the top, but they don't care. They're desperate to hide the control group here, in my opinion. This is from the mayor's office, by the way. The whole goal of faith in vaccine is to bring vaccines into community for easy access. Why? Right. Like it's like they just couldn't get it. They, it's just too far away. The access is everywhere. Are we pretending the Walgreens aren't everywhere? There's probably a Walgreens three seconds from where they're doing this. 
They don't, it's not about access. This is about forcing this on people that want to be pressured, that don't want it, but will be pressured into it because their faith is doing it, because their church is doing it. This is incredibly manipulative as every other thing they're doing. The faith and vaccine, yeah, it says easy access, where folks feel comfortable and have confidence in the community. Right, so they're abusing your confidence in your community and acting like that means it's safe, right? It's safe because you trust your church, right? Morgan Freeman said it's safe, so you trust him, trust the vaccine, right? That's childish. The faith in vaccine has often advertised free perks to new pup parishioners. The program has delivered free backpacks and free masks to children who get injected with the holy mRNA at places of worship. Right, look, give them a mask they don't need or a mask that hurts them as the peer-reviewed science continues to make clear, right? Why don't I play that? I think I have it still in here. Or yeah, I'll just do it this way. It's, it's only one minute. You guys should see it. If you haven't seen this, this all the peer-reviewed science backs this up. And this is what they censored that other account for. Despite the science, the Fulgen effect. This study revealed that wearing face masks might impose a great risk on individuals. New study, face mask usage correlates with higher death rate, was not able to reduce transmission. Also suggests the universal use of masks may have had harmful unintended consequences. The carbon dioxide can, content in inhaled air rises on average to 13,000 parts per million, no matter whether children wear a surgical or a higher level mask. This That's study, the random controlled trial of cloth masks, moisture retention, reuse of cloth masks, and pore filtration may increase your risk of infection. Cloth masks should not be recommended. In the pooled analysis of everything, we found no significant reduction in influenza transmission with the use of face masks. There is limited evidence for their effectiveness in preventing influenza virus transmission, either when worn by the infected person for source control or when worn by uninfected persons to reduce exposure. Our systematic review found no significant effect of face masks on transmission of laboratory-confirmed influenza. I mean, isn't that insulting? I mean, and, and uh, as I showed you before, this, this is the tweet right here. Here are all the source links. Every one of them except one is peer-reviewed. That's all peer-reviewed science. And it finds and that one is really important about the children, which shows you that they have dangerously high levels of carbon dioxide. And that's peer-reviewed science, guys. That's not some guy on this Twitter with his with his gauge where they go, oh, fake news. Z Dog M Dog said that's not real. Like this is real stuff. This is real scientists doing real work in real labs and real observational studies as, as well as scientific studies in the labs, as well as uh, random controlled trials. I mean, every, like that one we just showed is random control. You have every level of science here, most of them peer reviewed, all finding danger, risk, harm, and they do it anyway. Think about how dumb that is. Here, just give, give them free face masks, free backpacks. There is no evidence that vaccines are working and that's why it's important to have faith. <laughs> well said. My God, guys, this is just crazy madness. And as Peter Sweden points out, oh, whoops, which I, I guess I haven't followed him on my new accounts yet. You see that? Did you see that? That's what happens to me now. If you didn't roll back for a second, I hit follow and it instantly goes back every single time until the second time I come back and then it stays. Is that happening to you? Find it. Let me know. Not these ones, by the way. It's only, and it's only usually on one page. Like it's the new person I follow. Any case, Peter Sweden. Something weird is going on. He's been doing a great job and not just Sweden, by the way, but that's that was the original focus. Something weird is going on, he says. There's been an unprecedented drop in births in Sweden this year, a shocking 14% decline. I'm seeing the same being reported in many other countries as well. What's going on? Look at this. Stockholm down 14%. Germany down 12%. UK down 9%. Taiwan down 27%. Now, of course, all the people are going to, oh, because COVID, COVID, lockdown. No, if that was the case, it would have been seen dramatically in 2020. It was not. 
and 2021, by the way. I guess more so 2021 than 2020. But any case, if it was COVID specifically, it would have been 2020 more so. If it was lockdown specifically, it would have been specifically in 2021. And now you could still argue that it has lasting effects that we're only now seeing there. That's certainly possible. I'm not saying this is proof of really anything. It's just correlation. But when you add this to all the other things we do know, the peer-reviewed studies that very clearly find a reduction in fertility and reproductivity because of these injections, which I could show you seven different peer-reviewed studies on, which I've done in past shows. The point here, guys, it's endless. Everything, correlation, as well as studies proving these things, as well as observational by individual people seeing their own experiences. This is everywhere. It's only the people in the corporate media and the two-party paradigm in the government that are keeping this locked in. Now, one last point I want to make before we finish on... Uh, oh, actually, I was going to read that article before we leave today. But this is an interesting point. This video, uh, I, don't even think I'll, I don't even think I need to play it. I can just give you the gist of it and you can listen for yourself. Basically says it's not... A, the, the community potentially is being used in this country. I haven't seen examples of it being circulated and used yet in this country, but the argument is still sound that it could be. Maybe it is. Let me know what you guys find out. But the, the idea that they're using or could use the, the, the versions made in Europe, which use the term community, even though they're not approved and acting like that's the approved version in circulation in the United States. It's a very interesting point. The only difference in Europe is they can be marketed as community. Whereas in the United States, it cannot be more marketed unless it is actually FDA approved. See, this, this video is being edited and, and manipulated. The point is that he's listening to a video where they're discussing the lot and they, the lot that comes from France, essentially. Now, I can't verify any of that. But the point is still interesting that he laid out that I then researched, which is that you can find that Pfizer in Europe specifically has not approval or full authorization, as they cause it, call it, it has a CMA, which is conditional marketing authorization, which the video points out is, and it's true, is the same or similar to emergency use authorization in the sense that it's not full approval in the context of the United States discussion. So, but yet they're doing so using the term community because what they, what theirs is a conditional marketing authorization when the marketing is the community point. So that seems like an, an interesting manipulation that could be used. So here is another article I want to read or study back July 27, 2021, that makes the differentiation between these two, but also reveals things you already know, by the way, but just to help solidify the discussion of what EUA is supposed to be, supposed to be, as opposed to how it's being used today as some approval alternative, which is just so dumbed down. I can't believe people buy that. Why would there be two things if it was the same? But here's what it says. And the the title of this for the podcast is Emergency Use Authorization, Conditional Marketing Authorization, so EUA and CMA, and the Precautionary Principle of the Time of COVID-19's Pandemic. The EUA does not represent approval of a drug or device in the full statutory meaning of the term, but instead authorizes use of an unapproved product or an unapproved use of an approved product during a declared state of emergency. We all pretty much know that point. But it says authorities designed emergency use authorization to quickly respond to public health threats, such as bioterrorism, which is that that's very interesting why that all came up. Right. But that's not the main point. The emergency use authorization terminates once the state of emergency is over, which they keep, you know, even technically right now, by the way. Oh, no, I think they did it yesterday. So as of yesterday, they reinitiated the emergency, even though actually we should check just to be safe. It was supposed to be done. 
it'll pop up right here. I think that's it. Oh, maybe not. Hold on. EUA. Ah, I forget how I looked it up. I'll come back to it. The point was that it's this is supposed to be re-initiated re, uh, every 90 days, and they lapsed. It, it lapsed. On the 11th was when it last ended. That's supposed to be reinitiated no matter what before it, it ends. There was a period of about four days right there where their emergency was null and void. And they were still getting injections under that guise. That's illegal. I've made this point many times. Anyway, the point is that what it says here is that, that it, it, it can end once the emergency ends or when a product or an unapproved use, in this case, a product, the, the injection is approved through normal channels. Well, I've made this many clear many times. They said they approved commodity. It doesn't matter whether they're letting it use be used or if it's even there. The stated point in the FDA's statement is that it has been approved. So why are they still using emergency authorization for the new things or for this current one? Right now, it's emergency authorized for children or for you. There's no approval use right now in circulation. That's supposed to be still on the shelf, but they did do it. Therefore, their emergency use authorization for Pfizer shot is illegal. I mean, my God, guys, this is simple. And you won't find an argument that makes, though, he doesn't understand how this works, because this is true. They just have a, a loophole or a sidestep where they go, well, it's we only have this one version of it approved. It's approved over here, but we're only talking about the six through, you know, the time. That's not how it works. It's not broken down by different ages. It's the overall approval or the overall emergency authorization. And they continue to parse this out. It's illegal. A product can be considered for emergency use authorization if it is reasonable to believe that it may be effective to prevent, diagnose, or treat serious or life-threatening diseases or conditions caused by one or more chemical, biological, radiological, or nuclear agents. If it's believed to be effective. It doesn't have to be proven to be that. It's believed to be. That's important. That's not even the most important part, though. The may be effective standard. That may be effective. So they hear that, guys. That's all they're running on right now. The may be effective standard for emergency use authorization requires a lower level of evidence than the effectiveness standard adopted by regulatory agencies for approvals. Why can't we get that through our heads? They don't need the same level of evidence. All they need is the hype, the argument that it probably is more effective than the things we think are happening out there. That's all they need. The latter results from a benefit-risk analysis based on the totality of the scientific evidence available, by virtue of which is reasonable to believe that the product may be effective for the specified purpose and that its benefits outweigh the inherent risks. That is it. All they need is to continue to argue that the hypothetical way this is supposed to work, even if we can't prove it, if we believe it should work that way, is enough to put this in people's arms if we then argue that the, what's out there is more dangerous than the risk you may incur, in, you may infer or take on by taking an injection we are not sure is effective. That's simple. It's always out there. But they just have skipped right over that and acted like emergency use authorization is safe and effective. That by saying safe and effective is, very, is a lie in and of itself. The very idea that it's emergency authorized means they don't know that for sure. In contrast, the CMA in, the, in Europe is a pragmatic tool for the fast-track conditional approval of a medicine to address an unmet medical need. Its purpose is to make an, an innovative drug, experimental, immediately available to, a target, to, a, to target a seriously debilitating, rare, or life-threatening disease, which not, that's not happening right now, devoid of any treatment, which is also not happening right now. You have all sorts of treatments out there to provide patients with a major therapeutic advantage over existing treatments 
or to save as many lives as possible in course of public health emergencies, such as a new pandemic. Approval is granted on the condition that an applicant company will supply additional information after the drug's placing on the market. So right now they're going, well, as long as you can prove down the line that it was effective or is effective or safe, we'll use that, we'll, we'll, we'll give you the CMA based on that incoming information because the danger is so great. It's kind of a, the same version in a different country. CMA guarantees that the medicine meets sufficient standard for safety, efficacy, and quality. That is, to, to, quantify, to qualify that statement, that the benefit-risk balance is favorable. That's all they need. Right, so the ad, the company will supply additional information. What says? Or excuse me. The CMA guarantees the medicine meets these standards for safety. Not that they are safe and effective, and the standard is simply that it is a favorable benefit risk analysis. Meaning, meaning that the benefit of the risk analysis is a little bit better than the risk. That's it. It's favorable. It tips the scales in the side of benefit. So take it until we can prove this is safe. That's not supposed to be the thing that goes on for two years. It says, but comprehensive data are still required post-approval. Where is that? Unlike after a normal marketing authorization where all data are submitted before authorizing the grant is granted. That's how it's supposed to go. As soon as enough data have been gathered to show the drug's benefit-risk balance remains definitely positive, that means they don't know before that, the company is expected to make a formal application. In this way, the medicine can be authorized for human use without reservations. In that case of Europe authorized approval in that same, in that same point. Therefore, a question spontaneously arises. This is the person arguing for why these things are good, but points out that what they did was wrong in this case. To overcome the widespread vaccine hesitancy in the public interest during the pandemic, it is ethically correct, or is it ethically correct, to strongly encourage, oblige, or recommend mass vaccinations in healthy people with unapproved vaccines or conditionally approved ones to prevent a disease with a mean lethality rate below 5%. Way, way lower than that. That's been proven since then. Like COVID-19. Is this more ethical than waiting as a precaution for eventual full approval? Would this latter approach better guarantee the health of millions of human beings? The answer is yes, guys. And even him asking this in 2021 makes it clear that it wasn't sound. They did this when he's, are, are we even sure this is the right move? The, tr- the answer is obviously no, because the point is that they did, they rushed this through and all the problems are building up after the fact. And if you don't believe me or agree, let's just ask some of the people speaking out from within these agencies. U.S. agencies aren't, quote, following the science on COVID and staff are too scared to complain. This was posted two days ago. Now it says the calls and text messages are relentless. On the other end are doctors and scientists at the top levels of the National Institute of Health, the FDA, and the CDC. They are variously frustrated, exasperated, alarmed about the direction of the agencies to which they have devoted their careers. Quote, it's like a horror movie I'm being forced to watch and I can't close my eyes. One senior FDA official lamented, people are getting bad advice and we can't say anything. Now, if your first reaction is to be like, that's probably a Trump supporter, or that if he says that, he's not a scientist, then you're stupid. Let's just make that clear because that is ridiculous to just assume into a story because you don't like what's being stated. Now, you don't have to agree with him. You could think he's wrong, but you have to acknowledge this is a person that has that position. That means the company themselves, or, the, or rather the entity themselves, the FDA, the CDC, the, the, the uh, NIH, hired them because of their credentials. So just, then just dismiss them because they don't agree with what you're saying makes you a child. So realize that. Now, you could, this is, there's a lot of people speaking out. That's what's happening with all these doctors. Oh, they're debunked because they're saying what we're not supposed to say. Or are they saying the truth and you're being and they're being propagandized? 
which by the way, happens all the damn time. But it goes on to say that particular FDA doctor was referring to two recent developments inside the agency, both of which we shouted out on the show for a long time. First, how with no solid clinical data, which we now proved, the agency authorized COVID vaccines for infants and toddlers, including those who already had COVID. Those are two different stories, both of which should make this completely off the table. And second, and by the way, on top of that, that this isn't even dangerous for pretty much everybody, especially children. And second, the fact that just months before the FDA bypassed its external ex- experts to authorize booster shots for young children, they bypassed their experts. They, that's more, they've done that more than once. The doctor is hardly alone. Quote, they have no leadership right now. Suddenly, there's an enormous number of jobs opening up at the highest level positions. People are quitting. One NIH scientist said this on the record. The people who spoke to us would only agree to be quoted anonymously, citing fear of professional repercussions. So as always, we should point out, that means that this could be completely lied. Or this could be a complete lie. It could be that the New York Post made it all up. That's always possible. Same thing you should say on all sides of this conversation. But what you should also do is consider whether this is not made up. That's in any context. And based on everything else we've seen and all the other doctors speaking out around the world, this seems pretty sound. But come to your own conclusions about it. The CDC has experienced a similar exodus. Quote, there's been a large amount of turnover. Morale is low. One high-level official at the CDC told them, quote, things have become so political. So what are we there for? Another CDC scientist told them, quote, I used to be proud to tell people I work at the CDC. Now I'm embarrassed. Why are they embarrassed? In short, bad science. The longer answer, that the heads of their agencies are using weak or flawed data to make critically important public health decisions. That's that's a choice, by the way. These people should be in jail. That such decisions are being driven by what's politically palatable to people in Washington or the government, whether it's Trump's administration at the time, which also happened, or Biden's administration today, and that they have a myopic focus on one virus instead of overall health. Now, whether you believe the virus is there or not, the point is the same. That They're focusing on one thing at the detriment to everything else in your lives. Nowhere has this problem been clearer or the stakes higher than an official public health policy regarding children and COVID-19. First, they demanded that children be masked in schools. We just went over this, which is hurting them. Next came school closures, which did even more damage, probably more than anything. Then they ignored natural immunity, which is just an outright laughable joke. An official at the FDA put it this way, quote, I can't tell you how many people at the FDA have told me I don't like any of this, but I just need to make it to my retirement. Right now, internal critics of these agencies are focused on one issue above all. Why did the FDA and the CDC issue strong blanket recommendations for COVID vaccines in children? That's crazy. The trouble is that this sweeping recommendation was based on extremely weak, inconclusive data provided by specifically Pfizer and Moderna, which has been picked apart by plenty of experts after they were forced to release it, which shows that they knew there were problems and they hid it from you. That was addressed in a congressional hearing. It's amazing that Fox and CNN didn't talk about it, right? Crazy. In the subgroup of children aged six months to two years, the trial found that the vaccine could result in a 99% lower chance of infection. Of course, we're talking relative, which is very different. But on top of that, and by the way, that's their finding, which you should question in general, but that they also found that it could have a 370% increased chance of being infected. We've talked about this, guys, the increased risk. But that doesn't matter, apparently. Who cares if it's exponentially more dangerous sometimes? Let's force it on children that don't need it when they're not at risk. Pfizer reported a range of vaccine efficacy so wide that no conclusion could be conferred. No reputable medical journal would accept such sloppy and incompetent results with such a small sample size. 
but many of them did. Referring to Pfizer's vaccine efficacy in healthy young children, one high-level CDC official whose expertise is in the evaluation of clinical data joked, quote, you can inject them with it or squirt it in their face and you'll get the same benefit. My God. But these people, if they say these things, as this article addresses, they get attacked, disparaged, and called fake news. Moderna's results claimed a very weak vaccine efficacy of just 4% in children aged six to, uh, six, to, uh, two months, six months, two years. 4% relative. That's what they're giving. And they're giving it to people. They're giving it to children right now. Neither result was statistically significant. But they're doing it anyway. How do you explain that? Then there's the matter of how long a vaccine gives protection. We know from data and adults that it's generally a matter of months. That's not even true, by the way. That's when it ends up being nothing and turns into negative efficacy. But in one to 30 days, it drops to 55% relative. From the very beginning, these aren't helping anybody. That's not even including all the negative side effects, just what they claim it's doing. And even you should almost think that as a benefit, to be quite honest, because if it was having a halt, a strong effect, that means you're producing more antibodies for something that's not currently there. So everything about this thing is dangerous. Quote, it seems criminal that we put out the recommendation to give mRNA COVID vaccines to babies without good data. Remember when we were saying this before and we're censored for it? Yeah, cool story. We really don't know what the risks are yet. So why push it so hard? A CDC physician added. A, the high-level FDA official felt the same way. Quote, the public has no idea how bad the data really is. It would not uh, pass muster for any other authorization. But the truth is the public does seem to know if they're listening to the independent media, and a lot of them are. It says, this isn't the first time that the COVID vaccine recommendations based on scant evidence have been pushed through these agencies. Most recently, back in May, the lack of clinical evidence for booster shots in young people created a stir at the FDA. We've talked about that then. The White House promoted it hard even before the FDA regulators had seen the data. Remember that? They did that both times. So they come out and say, there, we hope they push this forward driving politics, driving science. Not, it's not supposed to be that way. Once they saw the data, they weren't impressed. It showed no clear benefit against severe disease for people under 40. You know, just that small category of everybody under 40. But guess what? They skipped over them and did it anyway. The FDA's two top vaccine regulators, when that happened, Gruber, uh, uh, Dr. Marion Gruber, director of the FDA's vaccine office, and her deputy director, Dr. Uh, Phil Kraus, quit the agency last year over political pressure to authorize vaccine boosters and young people. So they quit in protest and it still happens and, no, and we're still called conspiracy theorists. After their departure, they wrote scathing commentaries explaining why the data did not support the broad booster authorization, arguing in the Washington Post that, quote, the push for boosters for everyone could actually prolong the pandemic, citing concerns that boosting based on an outdated variant could be counterproductive. Well, look at that. Where have you heard that before? I asked for someone to show me the data. They said the policy was based on a CDC recommendation. That is a person in this group asking to see data and they go, oh, the CDC said we're supposed to. So just go along with that. Doesn't that sound ominously like what the press secretary said? Right? Where they asked, are you sure it's, how do you know these Ramakran? And she looked at him and exasperated and said, well, because the CDC told us. As if she's completely unaware that that's not proof that it's there. As one NIH scientist told us, quote, there's a silence, an unwillingness for agency scientists to say anything, even though they know that some of what's being said out there, out of the agency is absurd. Quote, you get labeled based on what you say. If you talk about it, you will suffer. 
I'm convinced. An FDA staffer told us, another person at the agency added, if you speak honestly, you get treated differently. We all see that. Finally, it says, and so they remain quiet, speaking to each other in private or in text groups on Signal. And it continues. That is incredible. Now, I'm not going to read this today, a lot of time in general, but I just want to throw this out there for you guys to read. Another great article from Off Guardian. Protect your children because the Great Reset is coming for them. And that very clearly is what we're talking about from this angle, but also coming into the other angle. Around the world, we're seeing this rise up. More and more people standing up and, st- and pushing back. Quote, we are not slaves. Farmers in Italy, Spain, and Poland joined the Dutch protests. People are standing up. Guys, this is what we need to emulate. We need to push back. Now, I've pointed out how some of these things can have counterintuitive effects for the very supply chain that we're pointing out. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing this, right? These people have no other way to go. They're being, they're losing their livelihood for what some, for some, un, uh, quant, uh, what's the right word? Some unattainable, unquantified benefit from reducing things for the 2030 agenda. We're supposed to just take it on the chin and assume it'll benefit us in however many years? I mean, that's crazy. That's what they're saying about Ukraine. The point is that people need to stand up. I'm not calling for violence. I never do. The point is people need to stand up because they are trying to put you down. Here, finally, is where we should be going. Janie J points out, and this is fantastic, guys. Meanwhile, in the Netherlands, people have just started their own biological food co-op bypassing the supermarkets and buying directly from the farmers. This is what we need. Peer-to-peer economies. Now, yes, we need action. Yes, we need to push back against what's happening. We can't just put ourselves in a corner and act like it won't come to come back to us at some point. They're coming for you. But alternatively, simultaneously, this is what we need. Work with these farmers and let them know that you don't need them. You don't need their distribution centers. We will continue to buy from you. We don't need the government involved. In fact, we never did. There is light, guys. There's a lot of great things happening right now and a lot of great people standing up. It's, I know it becomes almost impossible to not, to, be, to not feel the darkness, not feel the negative energy and what they're doing to you. But it's so very important that we focus on the positive, focus on what we're trying to change and we stay the course. Manifest that reality because we are having an effect, guys. Thank you for being here today. I'm going to go get ready for what we'll be doing tonight. I hope to see some of you there. But as always, guys, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.